what is a passion that we should have, hopefully, on our minds and our hearts when we awaken in the morning, when our first thoughts of the day, throughout the day, at the close of the day, as you're going to sleep, or when you awaken in the, during the night and cannot go back to sleep, what is a passion, a thought, a craving that we trust is in our heart? Hopefully, first thing in the morning, late at night, throughout the night, throughout the day. I believe one passion that I want, and I believe it will bring our Lord honor and us joy and benefit to others, is that we awaken and throughout the day and cannot sleep. Lord, enable us and persuade us and enable and persuade others to obey you, to trust you with all of our heart. That we will so love you and obey you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength and care about others as we care for ourselves. This relationship with God the Father God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit, we're in response to the resurrection of Christ, to birthing us into his family, if you're in his family, in response to his grace and his mercy, we want to obey him with all that we are and care for others as we care for ourselves. Here at GPC in the mornings, we're looking at this short, historical book of Jonah. Jonah was a preacher. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, that great city that was evil. Go there. Call them to repentance. Call them to faith in the one to come, the Messiah. God said, go. Jonah said, no way. Would he go because he knew God enough that knew, he knew God was a God who would forgive sin and make righteous through Christ? He knew that, that God was a God of mercy who, would not, who was willing not to punish as deserved and a God of grace. And Jonah did not want the people of Nineveh to have mercy. They were cruel people. They were evil. They were wicked. They were notorious and they were proud of their cruelty. They depicted pictures and paintings in their caves, artwork of how cruel they were, the torture, the drawn out deaths they would bring upon their defeated enemies. And Jonah didn't want them to repent. He he did not want them to experience mercy. So he said no. And he attempted to go to Tarsus. And he found a ship. And he got on that ship to go as far away from God as possible. But God loves his children too much to let us go our own way. He brings discipline. Severe discipline. Not only to Jonah, but to the other sailors on that ship. God in his sovereignty and his power brings a storm, a terrible, vicious storm 
on the ocean on that little boat. And these probably veteran sailors were so terrified by this storm, they began throwing overboard the cargo they were carrying. They knew someone was responsible for this storm. The captain goes down and finds Jonah asleep. I can't imagine how he could sleep in such a deadly storm, but he was. In essence, get up! What are you doing? Call out to your God. We're calling out to our gods to stop this, to save us. And Jonah admitted he was responsible that he was trying to run away from God, that God had sent this storm upon all of them because of his disobedience. He acknowledged it. These other sailors who were, quote, non-Christians did not want to throw Jonah overboard because that's what Jonah said to do. Throw me overboard and all will be well with you. They didn't want to do that. Folk, we look at this picture of what God is doing and we see these non-Christians having more concern for this Christian than this Christian is having for them. Did you hear me? Jonah is the Christian. Jonah is concerned about himself. He's not concerned about these others. He's certainly not concerned about the people of Nineveh who needed to repent. These non-Christian sailors were more concerned about Jonah's welfare and well-being than Jonah was for them. I ask myself, does the non-Christian world have a right to question us? Of how committed we are to our God who says he's a God of love and forgiveness? That's what's happening here. These non-Christians must be wondering, hey, you're the God-fearing person. You say it's your God who made the heavens, who made this earth, who made this sea, who can bring calm to this ocean before we all die. You say your God, where's your concern for us? And I have to ask, where is my concern for others? Am I really as concerned as I should? Listen to what Scripture says. Listen to Jesus. When Jesus was asked, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all commandments? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Matthew 22, 36. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus readily said this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And he kept going. He didn't stop there. And a second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Folk, if you're in Christ, 
if Christ has awakened you to himself of what he has done for you in becoming God-man, dying on that cross, taking God's wrath and judgment and punishment upon himself to make us as righteous as he is righteous by his resurrection, how are we to respond? What is our privileges and responsibilities? Lord, creating us to now live out your gospel, your grace, and your mercy by obeying you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and to love each other, our neighbor as ourselves. And I think we should ask the question well, who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor of which Jesus says we're to care for them? I'm saying according to Scripture, neighbors are those closest to us and those far away. Our neighbors are those close to us and those far away, according to Scripture. How are we doing? I'm so thankful for this ministry. Even before I came, from day one of the birth of GPC, the Holy Spirit of Christ has enabled you to be a people who are reaching out to others. Not ingrown, but constantly looking out, enjoying each other, loving each other, but constantly looking out and attempting to reach others. That's the work of Christ. That's his work. And so trying to reach our neighbors, who are they? They're the boys and girls at Springfield Elementary where the Good News Club each Monday afternoon, a team, will you go to them? Will you pray for them? That those boys and girls from the inner city, from Hispanic homes, Who are our neighbors? It's our students at Piedmont Tech and Lander and Erskine. Who are our neighbors? It's the senior citizens over at Bayberry where a team goes to minister to them. It's international students at Clemson through RUF. Who are our neighbors? It's attempting to care for others as we care for ourselves. Not only those closest to us, but throughout the world. Listen, listen, listen to what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, where Jesus has been resurrected from death. He's called his followers, his disciples to him for one last instruction visibly to them personally. He calls them together. He says in Acts 1, verses 8 and 9, but you will receive power. You'll receive power of the Holy Spirit upon you. And when the Holy Spirit is upon you, then you'll be his witnesses. We're to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking up, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Who was our neighbor? It's those close to us. 
For Jonah, it was those other sailors in the boat. They were his neighbors. Who were his neighbors? Those over in Nineveh, far away, of whom he refused to go. Those were his neighbors. Who are our neighbors? Jesus says here in Acts 1.8, it's those closest to us. But it doesn't just stop in Jerusalem. It just doesn't stop where you live or where we live in the Lakelands. No, then it expands. He says, Jerusalem, Judea. Think of South Carolina. Think of the South. They're our neighbors. Our whole nation. But look what he says. And to the end of the earth, they're our neighbors for whom we're to care. Ministry, I say again, is not either or. It's not either those here or those out there. It's both and, according to Jesus, as our neighbors. Keep up the work, the ministry, GPC. Looking to those around us and looking to the nations. Again, you are by Christ. It's all of Christ. Since we've been here, uh, you give us a month vacation. You've also, the last almost 10 years, give us another month of sabbatical. To take Christ outside of here, to camp, to boys and girls at Ridgehaven, or students, or overseas. Glenda and I had the privilege of being in Indonesia for almost 12 days, attempting to give pastoral care to our missionaries. Your missionaries from Asia and Pacific get together once every four years. Once every four years for a retreat, for a time to get together, to be refreshed and renewed. And so we've heard of some of our youth, three of our Adams girls who went to take care of children and help with teenagers. I have the privilege of attempting to offer pastoral care. And Glenda's one of the most favorite people there. The, la- the ladies and the children just love her. We heard a Chinese stand up and share what it's like in China. Heartbroken that they cannot come together for worship. Having been together in corporate worship now where he lives and that community where he lives, the government says, no way are you to come together. We know of places, churches that have been destroyed. Christians who are being arrested and imprisoned and some unknown now where they are. But he shared and they cannot come together publicly where he lives. Cannot come and sing and pray and worship together. Small groups attempt secretly to come together, not to draw attention to the authorities. Small little groups getting together. Who are our neighbors? They're here around us. And they're throughout the nations. And so family, friends, let's ask the questions. How are we to respond? How are we to show and share Christ? Look at this. Our neighbors, both those close and far away, who are they? Who are they? First, they look differently. 
they look different. They, they may look like us, but our neighbors also are racially different. Different races. Our neighbors talk differently. They're different languages. They're in the stores with you. They're up the street. They're at work. They're at school. And they act differently. Different culture. We have the privilege and responsibility to show and speak and share Christ with them. Some worship differently. They're here around us. They're Hindus. They're Muslims. They're atheists. We have the privilege of hopefully communicating Christ to them. How are we to care for them through Christ? They're made in God's image. What are we to do? I remind you, folks, I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I have to constantly, daily repent of my self-centeredness. Far more concerned about myself than I am for the needs of others. So lastly, how are we to respond? How are we to respond to our privileges and our responsibilities? I say we are to aggressively care and reach out through Christ. Will you pray? Will you pray in a renewed way for neighbors and nations to know Christ as their Savior, their Lord? They're around us. They're in Japan. They're throughout the world. Secondly, will you speak kindly to people? Will you smile? Will you respect them? You're in the convenience store. There's someone from another nation there. What do they think of us? Especially when they find out we're a Christian. When we read the newspaper and they're on the front page, is an article about arrests being made of people from another culture, another nationality, another people group. Are we concerned? Do we want them to know Christ? Are we praying for their salvation? We have the privilege to invite others to worship. Brent and Sarah Shane were a part of our congregation, our church family, and their four young children. This past Christmas, here on our Christmas Eve service, we had a Muslim family, a young Muslim family worship with us. Perhaps the first time they'd ever been in a Christian church. Why did that Muslim family come? Because Christ used Brent and Sarah to reach out to them, to be neighbors to them, to invite each other into their homes. And so when Brent and Sarah said, hey, come to our Christmas Eve service, they came. Reaching the neighbors. But now reaching the nations, Brent and Sarah Shane with those four children who were here with us are now over there in another nation in North Africa trying to present Christ through medicine to those Muslims.
Who are our neighbors? They're right here. Who are our neighbors? They're out there. I remind you of what we recently heard. Sarah Shane, the wife, the mother of those four little ones, constantly in the homes of these Muslim women. And Sarah saw a mother who they are trying to reach, try to burn her own child, not Sarah, the woman to whom she was visiting, burn her own child's hand on something hot in anger. And a common statement in that culture where they live is this, something like this, leave me alone and may your life be short. A common phrase of a mother toward her children, leave me alone and may your life be short. That's the world out there. Can you imagine being a child hearing your parents say that? Leave me alone and may your life be short. In essence, I wish you were dead. the privileges we have the calling we have out of Christ the resurrected and living Christ to obey him with all of our heart all of our soul all of our mind all of our strength and Jesus says the second is like the first and to care and love our neighbor as we care and love ourselves. Let's ask Him to do that in us, but not just us, but His own throughout the world. Oh, Father, thank You for not sparing Your own Son. Thank You for giving Him up for Your own. Please minister Christ to our souls, our hearts, our minds. May little children and adults, whether in North Africa or across the street or around the corner, know and love Christ in whose name we ask, in whose authority. Amen.